Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also subscribe to Snazzy Stories podcast on iTunes, Spotify, many other podcast apps, or go to snazzystories.com and leave an awesome review. A sentinel is a soldier or guard whose job is to stand and keep watch. And in the United States, there are many who are trained for this task and who are very recognizable. But throughout the years, there are sentinels who stand guard over the needed changes in our country. These sentinels push our country and our people to become better. And yet, they were not trained for such an undertaking. These people made the choice to stand for what they knew was right, no matter the cost to themselves. Today's episode focuses on those termed as the silent sentinels. These brave people pushed our country to begin to accept a group of Americans who deserved more than the people of their country deemed them worthy of. These courageous people are Americans, sentinels, and women. Suffragists believed they had every right to participate in elections and have a say in the laws that were being passed that they had to abide by. The fight for the right to vote that women in the United States had taken up lasted decades. Some Western territories gave women the right to vote early, including Wyoming in 1869 and Utah in 1870 and the state of Colorado in 1893. But the rest of the women in the Union would continue to fight till 1920. By the 1820s and 30s, white men were given the right to vote regardless of their wealth or how much property they owned. However, those of color were still in the chains of slavery, and women were supposed to emulate the ideals of true womanhood, which meant that to be a true woman, one was supposed to be a submissive wife, pious, and concerned only with domestic matters. I discuss this concept of the cult of true womanhood more in episode 13, The Low Mill Girls. But the reality for women in the early to mid-1800s was that venturing outside of the home was not what a true woman was. And that included politics. However, women's suffrage began pre-Civil War in 1848 with the Seneca Falls Convention in New York. Abolitionist activists, mostly women and some men, attended the convention to discuss the rights of women. The women leading the movement were Elizabeth Cady Stanton and Lucretia Mott. At this meeting, the Declaration of Sentiments was given. It began, quote, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, unquote. The women's suffrage movement began to gain traction in the 1850s, but soon would lose its steam with the beginning of the Civil War. However, after the war was over, a movement began of giving the right to vote to black men with the 15th Amendment, and women suffragists believed this was their chance to push for voting rights for all. 
Unfortunately, there were some who believed that women's rights should not be supported with this amendment because it might mean that supporters who backed the 15th Amendment would leave the cause if women were also given the right to vote. Some groups formed that called for a universal suffrage movement and others called for passing voting rights state by state. The 15th Amendment passed in 1869, allowing only black men the right to vote, leaving women to continue the fight. In 1890, many women's groups came together to form the National American Women's Suffrage Association, giving the honor to Elizabeth Cady Stanton as the first president of this organization. Women continued petitioning Congress for their right to vote, but were continually denied support. Some younger members of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, or also termed as NASA, by 1913 were getting frustrated by the lack of movement with the suffrage amendment and felt they needed to step up their game. Two women by the name of Alice Paul and Lucy Burns organized a suffrage parade in Washington, D.C., the day before the Democratic president Woodrow Wilson's inauguration. As the women walked down Pennsylvania Avenue, they were attacked as the police officers stood by and watched. Eventually, cavalry troops were called in to bring some order, yet 100 women were hospitalized with injuries. Later that year, Alice Paul formed her own organization called the National Women's Party, the NWP. She believed that more militant tactics should be used to get the attention of the public and government officials in order to recognize the importance of their cause. They also believed that an amendment to the Constitution was needed, as opposed to the National American Women's Suffrage Association, who wanted to get suffrage passed state by state. NASA was more prone to working on their cause through petitions and state campaigns. But Alice Paul and the NWP felt more drastic steps needed to be taken, because the president, Woodrow Wilson, said he would not support an amendment to the Constitution giving women the right to vote. Alice Paul, Lucy Burns, and their tribe of suffragettes were the first in American history to picket the White House and did so beginning on January 10, 1917. Nearly 2,000 women from across the country came to voice their cause to their president for two and a half years. For six days a week from 9 a.m. to 5.30 p.m., they held gold, white, and purple banners silently outside the White House hoping the president would see reason and give them their right to vote. Some banners would read, quote, Mr. President, how long must women wait for liberty? Unquote. These women were named the Silent Sentinels. They were silent, but held signs for all to see, including President Wilson. Every time he looked out his window or left the White House and returned again to the White House, President Wilson would sometimes tip his hat to these women, but most often he would close his eyes as he rode by, so as not to see the injustice that he himself had endorsed. As others passed by the silent sentinels, they would spit on them, or they would throw food at them. Lucy Burns and Alice Paul made sure that the president would see women from all different backgrounds standing for the same cause. One day, wealthy women would be outside the gates. Another day, poor women. Another day, women union workers. To make the point that it was not only one group of women that wanted this amendment passed. Picketing became more heated 
as we entered World War I in June of 1917, because some saw the women picketing the White House and the president as treason and un-American, which led police to begin arresting the silent sentinels. However, women refused to give up and continued their guard for women's suffrage outside the White House. On Independence Day, they brought banners reading, quote, Governments derive their just powers from the consent of the governed, unquote. And these women were arrested, but other women stepped in to take their place on the picket line. On August 14, 1917, women carried banners that addressed President Wilson as Kaiser Wilson. Some picketers were attacked, and the police did nothing to prevent the violence. In October of 1917, the announcement was made that if women continued to picket the White House, they would be arrested and given a prison sentence up to six months. Alice Paul marched to the White House the next day with a banner that had a quote that the president himself had used before. Quote, the time has come to conquer or submit. For us, there is but one choice. We have made it. Alice Paul, along with other suffragists, continued to return to the picket line. Alice Paul and Rose Winslow were arrested and sent to jail for seven months, the charge being obstructing traffic. Alice was also put in solitary confinement. Others received a six-month prison sentence. They considered themselves political prisoners and began hunger strikes. The women were force-fed with a tube shoved down their throat. Even after arrests, women began to fill the picket line. This did not deter the Sentinels from their cause. November 14, 1917 would become what was known as the Night of Terror. 33 women had been arrested while picketing outside the White House. These women were taken to an abandoned workhouse in Virginia and were tortured. The warden gave permission to his guards to teach a lesson to these women because how dare they picket the White House? Forty guards went on a rampage against these 33 women. Lucy Burns was beaten and then her hands were chained to the cell bars above her head and left to stand all night gasping for air. Mary Nolan recounts what happened to Dorothy Day. Quote, The two men handling her were twisting her arms above her head. Then suddenly they lifted her up and banged her down over the arm of an iron bench. Twice. Unquote. Dora Lewis had her head smashed into an iron bed and she lost consciousness. Alice Kasu, seeing Lewis's assault and believing she was dead, suffered a heart attack herself and didn't get medical attention until the next morning. The water given to these women came from an open pail, and the food given to them was a slop with worms crawling through it. These women recorded that they were grabbed, beaten, choked, twisted, and kicked. When Alice Paul began a hunger strike, the guards tied her to a chair, forced a tube down her throat, and poured liquid till she threw up. This violent act broke her teeth. This treatment to Alice continued for weeks. Eventually, word was smuggled out of the prison about how the women were being treated. It finally caught the public's eye. But President Wilson tried to have Alice Paul declared insane by a psychiatrist. The doctor refused to declare her insane. He considered Alice a brave human being and said that courage in women is often mistaken for insanity. By late November, due to public pressure, Alice Paul, Lucy Burns, and the rest of the suffragists were released from the workhouse. 
Minnie Quay and Laverne Robertson were women who went to D.C. to picket the White House and fight for women's right to vote. They were from Utah, and they already had the right to vote. But they wanted to help the rest of American women fight for that right. They were both married, and their husbands completely supported them and said they were proud of their fearlessness. They were both arrested and experienced the night of terror. Many said they were threatened with gags. The guards threatened to shoot them, and they were told they would be tied to whipping posts. When they were released and they went back to their homes in Utah, some supported them, but some who supported President Wilson were upset by these women protesting a Democratic president. The Women's Democratic Club kicked Minnie out of the club because she protested against the president. The D.C. Court of Appeals ruled that these women had been illegally arrested, convicted, and imprisoned in 1918. After that, President Wilson began asking Congress to pass a federal suffrage amendment. However, the silent sentinels continued picketing, hoping to vote anti-suffrage congressmen out of office in the 1918 election. A new gathering occurred in January of 1919 after Wilson had failed to secure the last two votes in the Senate to pass the Voting Rights Amendment. Women began what they called the Watchfires of Freedom in front of public buildings. At these gatherings, they would burn any of Wilson's speeches that mentioned freedom and democracy. More women were arrested and they went on hunger strikes and were force-fed. In June of 1919, Congress finally passed the 19th Amendment, giving women the right to vote in the United States. At this time, the amendment needed to be ratified by 36 out of the 48 states. Both organizations, the National Women's Party and the National American Women's Suffrage Association, worked together to make that happen. Tennessee became the 36th state to ratify the 19th Amendment, giving women a voice in the United States. The type of civil disobedience that the Silent Sentinels pioneered soon was declared legal and has helped others on their pathway to protesting outside the White House in our country. Voting is a right, responsibility, and a privilege. Women who don't believe voting is important or that it doesn't matter, please take a moment and remember the Silent Sentinels, the guardians and protectors of our rights as women and human beings. They fought their own country, their own people, and their own president to be able to use their voice. They were tortured, beaten, and humiliated so that we can use ours. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.